You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 24th of November. I'm John Heffernan from our Customer Treasury team and I'm joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to look back on a busy week that saw news of the vaccine play out in the markets whilst the clock continues to tick on as the EU and UK look to reach a trade agreement. Ollie, turning to Brexit first, we're facing into a pivotal time in the discussions and COVID has done what it has done to everything this year. We see Monsieur Barnier having to um, self-isolate and the British PM as a close contact also having to follow suit just when we need them in a room together. Can you please bring us up to date with what's going on in these very significant treaty negotiations? Well, I think it's either breakdown or breakthrough week for the uh, trade negotiations between the EU and the UK. Uh, it really is time now to seal the deal. Uh, the general view is if we don't get a deal done this week, by the end of the week, um, it will be impossible to have it ratified by the end of the year. Uh, and then we're looking at mechanisms to try and avoid tariffs coming into play in January. So the pressure is really building to get a, a deal done at this stage. Uh, as you say, I mean, the, the UK Prime Minister, uh, through no fault of his own, is self-isolating in Downing Street. Then we have Monsieur Barney having to self-isolate in Brussels. Uh, so that led to the suspension of the high-level face-to-face uh, EU trade talks uh, last week. Now, the two teams are continuing to hold their discussions remotely, but obviously, given we're at a critical stage, it's not ideal to have key players off the pitch uh, rather than the negotiating room. Now, the markets remain calm, though, um, and indeed steering is strengthening. So there's a growing expectation a deal will be done. Um, we saw yesterday the euro drop back below 89p, uh, and that's down from its recent peak of 93p against sterling in September. So sterling has been grinding higher. It's also moved up against the dollars, you know, 133, 134. Uh, and I suppose it's encouraging to see two large teams uh, on both sides working on the details of a possible agreement. But it still seems to be the case that the big decisions around state aid rules, regulatory alignment, a disputes resolution mechanism and UK fishing rights have still to be resolved. Uh, now, as you said, there's been, there were some positive media reports in the past week of progress being made of both sides softening the positions, but it doesn't uh, seem what the Irish Foreign Minister calls we, we've reached the so-called landing zones zones for these critical issues and it may require political intervention this week to get a deal over the line i say it's, an, it's seen as an absolutely critical deal apparently with those large teams uh, working away 95 percent of the text is ready uh, it really is about resolving uh, the last remaining issues uh, which have always been the critical ones and that requires movement and concession on both sides and really that has to be done at a political level so i would look out for signs that mr johnson is in contact with Ms. van der leyden who's the head of the eu commission uh, in the coming days that would be a clear sign if they enter discussions that were at the final stages and hopefully it yields a trade agreement by the end of the week. And Ali, given that we're so tight to the line and given the old saying of nothing's agreed until everything is agreed, has the EU or indeed the UK looked to bring in any level of flex to the ratification process? Not that I'm, I, I, I think the, the, the room legally for manoeuvre here is quite limited. Um, you know, the transition period, you know, expires under law at the end of December. And if we don't have a new trading arrangement or a trade deal in place by then, um, you know, 
it could well be that the UK falls back to WTO trading rules, which involves tariffs. Now, they may well look and see, can they have some, I, I won't call it extend the transition period, but bring some sort of uh, temporary arrangement in place that would avoid tariffs being imposed while uh, a trade deal goes through the ratification process. But I think the hope is this week that a deal would be agreed. It may require um, both the UK Parliament and the European Parliament to meet and finally ratify the deal between Christmas and New Year. But um, they've, been re- they've been meeting remotely this year anyway, uh, given the situation with COVID. So that can be done. That would not be unusual. But it could be uh, that you know MPs in the UK and in MEPs in Europe are recalled very late in the year uh, to ratify a deal um, when the legal text becomes available. So we are right up against the deadline here. Now, um, our view remains that you know Sterling has made a fair bit of ground over the last couple of months. I says you know the euro's back below eighty nine p. I'd say the upside for the market's expected deal. So I said the upside for Sterling is probably limited from here. You know the euro could fall to maybe eighty six p. But we've known from the past and the, the recent past that uh, if there is a crisis and there's no trade deal, uh, Sterling can fall very very sharply, maybe as much as ten percent. So um, the outcome is certainly not binary here for Sterling. I'd say limited upside if there's a deal and a sharp fall in prospect if we don't get a trade deal. Uh, but the expectation is that a deal is in the works uh, and hopefully, hopefully we, get a, we see a deal concluded by the end of the week. So it's a big watch week then for all our um, Sterling customers and it'll be pivotal. If we don't see anything by the end of the week, they need to get started possibly considering what their position should be in terms of sterling yeah, in case we'll be worrying absolutely if we don't have if we don't see something really concrete by the end of the week um you wonder what is the day here you know we, we have a deadline we need a deal done and i suppose moving on to things covid for now ollie um obviously we had the initial news from pfizer and montevisara on uh, in terms of the vaccine situation and this morning we've seen some positive news out of the uk from the oxford backed um f- vaccine program i think it's fair to say that the market's initial reaction was very positive to it in the tail of end of last week it kind of was a bit of a risk off risk off kind of feel to it again can you tell us what's happening in general in the markets on the backs of the news or on the back of the news around the vaccinations well i think uh, there's obviously um i suppose two opposing forces here we're, we're obviously uh, into a lockdown in europe we're seeing um a very, very sharp rise to record levels in terms of new cases in the US and the beginnings of restrictions or lockdowns being imposed in parts of the US. That's obviously not great for the, for the economies either here or in the US. So activity is expected to contract in the final quarter of the year, maybe remain weak in the early part of next year. So near term, uh, the news is not great in terms of the evolving uh, coronavirus Let's call it an, an associated lockdown, the rising number of new cases, etc. Uh, but on the other hand, it, there's been really good news over the last week or two in terms of the development of vaccines and very successful vaccines. They will take time to roll, to roll out, but they certainly offer hope that over the course of 2021, we should see that the, the coronavirus recede and uh, the availability as those vaccines are rolled out. It should allow a sustained and robust recovery to take route over the course of next year but near term you know the, the the headwinds are there from the rising number of new cases the restrictions being reimposed back into lockdowns in a lot of countries and the negative effects that has on economic activity now as you say yesterday we did get preliminary data for november for the manufacturing and services sector 
uh, of the main economies. And in, in the UK, actually, activity held up very well, or sorry, much better than expected. Manufacturing continued to grow strongly, and the decline in the services sector was relatively moderate compared to what we saw earlier on the year. And it was much the same in mainland Europe as well for the Eurozone. Uh, manufacturing activity holding up quite strongly, uh, and the decline, um, obviously, a significant decline in the services sector, but again, nothing like we saw earlier on the year. So we will see a contraction in output in the final quarter of the year, but it'll be relatively modest and much smaller than what we saw in the first half of 2020. Uh, so we have these competing forces here. The market's concerned about the near-term negative impacts of the rising number of new cases, but at the same time, take the medium-term view here is uh, over the course of 2021, we should see a strong recovery take and a sustained recovery. That's the key thing. That'll be sustained. We had a strong bounce back in quarter three, but that lost momentum in quarter four. Next year, the expectation is the recovery in activity will be sustained, will be robust uh, as we get on top of the vaccine, or sorry, as we get on top of the uh, coronavirus with the vaccine being rolled out. So the, the so short-term negative forces at work in market, uh, markets at the same time uh, we see the medium-term prospects are, are, are very positive and generally speaking uh, as you, you mentioned there was some setback in markets uh, towards the end of last week but that was small relative to the gains that met previous to that there's no doubt markets have risen quite strong to quite high levels at stock markets over the course of November on the back of the positive news around these vaccines and Ali, in general, stock markets have thrived in the environment. Um, people kind of link it into COVID times. But just for the uh, benefit of our listeners, can you um, maybe outline why stock markets? Is it to do with the low interest rate environment that's being created in the world? World is thriving so much. Or why do you think um, they are doing so well, given on historic terms, given what's going on in the economy in general? At a very high level, there's two or three things going on. You mentioned low interest rates. That's absolutely right. So. Low interest rates are generating very, very low bond yields. So you're an investor here, and uh, are you going to buy a blue chip company with a nice dividend yield or a government bond with a negative interest rate? You're going to buy your blue chip company. So there's money going into stock markets uh, that might ordinarily have gone into bond markets. Secondly, we have the amount of liquidity being injected into the system by central banks to quantitative easing programs. So there's a lot of money um, flooding into the system. Uh, thirdly, we have a build-up of savings uh, for savings this year. Private sector savings ratios have risen very, very sharply, and I'm sure some of those funds are finding their ways into into markets as well, particularly in the US. And then finally, uh, okay, this has been a very difficult year for the global economy, but stock markets take a long view here. And what they're seeing is, uh, or what they're expecting, is a very strong rebound in economic activity partly due to the fact that central banks have said we will not be increasing interest rates uh, as activity picks picks up uh, and unemployment falls on this occasion. We can keep interest rates low for a very long period of time. Secondly, they see government policies uh, being very supportive of economic activity and maybe further stimulus packages to come. And thirdly, we have seen a very sharp rise, as they in private sector savings this year. The expectation is that once the coronavirus starts to abate, and we get a sustained recovery in activity uh, and confidence returns, that that will help fuel, and the rundown of those savings will help fuel a very robust recovery in economic activity. So markets are expecting very strong growth rates, I think it's fair to say, for 2021, but also extended into 2022 and 2023. 
Um, the last decade has been characterised by a relatively moderate rebound in economic activity post the financial crisis. I think the expectation this time is that with the build-up in savings and the very stimulatory stance of macroeconomic policy, that we could see a very strong rebound in, in, in economic activity. And obviously that's good news for corporates and good news for the stock markets. So I think that they're the factors that are, are at work. Um, you know, the, the stock markets are looking through the short-term challenges posed by the coronavirus and feel that the arrival uh, or the rollout of a vaccine that looks like it could be highly successful will lay the foundations for a very robust recovery in economic activity over the next couple of years. Ollie, thank you for, for that very um, thorough answer um, to all questions and a big thanks to all our customers and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with the latest market developments, please subscribe to AOB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. For those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find details of AOB's support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. Thank you very much and take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.